of his testimony. Um, never said that I would be here. I would have said you're crazy, but by the grace of God, I stand here today. Um, I came to Teen Challenge, July 2012, a broken, um, a broken mess, a lost individual, a lost soul, with no hope, confused, unsure where my life was heading. Um, as my brother was saying, there was one way it was going, and that was death. Um, it was a life of darkness and a life of pain. Um, you know, I grew up in a pretty good home. I had a good mother, good father. Um, the relation, relationship between us um, as parents was fantastic. Um, it was unstable between the two of them. My mother and father were both addicted to drugs. My mother took heroin. My father took cocaine. Um, the relationship began to fall apart at the age of about five years old. So I ended up leaving my mother, leaving my father, and spending a lot of my time with my grandmother. Um, I grew up um, from the ages of about five to about nine, ten with my grandmother. Um, my mother then, she got herself cleaned up. Uh, so I moved back with my mother at the age of about 12 years old, and things were fantastic. You know, I was going to school, I had a good group of friends, I was doing my homework, all these little things that a, a child of 12 should be doing, a youngster of 12 years old should be doing. Um, it was at the age of 13, though, that um, a so-called friend came into my life and offered me cannabis. Um, you know, and for me, I just thought, I, I didn't think it... I didn't think it was that much of a problem. You know, you see in films, you see in television, smoking cannabis can be almost the norm at that age. Um, but I remember just thinking to myself, um, I wanted to experiment in things, and peer pressure can be a big thing at that age. Um, before you know it then, I found myself smoking it all the time. That was the only thing I wanted to do. There was no more school, there was no more homework, there was no more family time. It was me getting away from that, smoking cannabis. Um, that opened up many other doors to many other drugs, um, drugs like cocaine, ecstasy, um, amphetamine, LSD, um, and it took me down a dark, dark road. Um, I began um, associating with different people, um, people that I never, ever, ever thought that I'd be in a room with. I know at the age of 18, 19, I was going out clubbing, taking large amounts of drugs, staying up for six, seven days in a complete state, not knowing where my life was going. Um, and at the time, I thought that was it. As my brother was saying, I thought that I'd found life. Um, I'd found my acceptance. I was quite an insecure young man. I was quite a self-conscious young man. When I was taking these drugs, I was feeling that love. I was feeling that acceptance. I was feeling that approval by the group of people that I was with. And I was hungry for that acceptance of people, as so many people are. They're hungry for acceptance. Um, my life took a dramatic turn then. In that time, I had gone from 17 stone in weight, from being a big guy, to 8 stone. So at the age of 23 years old, I'd lost, I lost about eight stone in weight, and I was a complete mess. Um, my life had got worse. Um, the, the, the drug intake had become more, and my family, my friends, my whole life crumbled around me. 24 years old with nothing to show for my life, absolutely nothing. Um, that was when my grandmother, who at the time was a chef in Teen Challenge, she saw the desperation, she saw my need, and she managed to get me a place into Teen Challenge in July 2012, and... I was very reluctant, hesitant at first because I knew that it was a Christian place and I wasn't interested in what God can do for me. I didn't believe in God. I looked around my life and I thought to myself, there was no way there was a God because if you're talking about love, where's the love? Um, I didn't know what to do, but I, I, just, I just knew I had to go. Something inside of me um, took me there. I remember just walking through those doors as well at Teen Challenge and I immediately, the first thing I felt was love was acceptance, was approval. These things I've been searching for in drugs was found the moment I was stepping in through those doors. Um, I encountered uh, Jay Fallon and his wife, Fiona Fallon, and I just looked directly in those eyes, and I just seen the light. I seen the light of Christ. And at that time, I didn't know what that meant, but I, I saw something I wanted, and it totally captivated me. 
It totally captivated me. I looked at them and I saw what I wanted. Within about five weeks of the program, um, you know, it was, it was difficult. It was emotionally difficult. But I, I started hearing the testimonies of these guys and started hearing the, 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 just the horrific stories that they've been through and how, by the grace of God, they're there. And they started sharing me the love of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seven weeks into the program, I give my life to Jesus and I asked him to come into my life and help me in my life. Yeah. Now, I didn't know what that meant and I didn't feel any different. But another a few weeks after that, then we have a morning in prayer. In the morning, someone brings a word. I put my hand up for prayer and I felt power come into my life. Yeah. And that was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And my, as my brother was saying, my, perspe- my per- perception of myself changed. My perspective on life changed. My eyes opened. There was like a switch went off in my mind and my heart. The things that these guys were telling me I knew was truth. It was truth. And my life before that was a life of lies. And I accepted the truth. And it was that that set me free. And through that program, it was difficult. There's ups and downs. And it's hard. It's a, it's a place of discipline. But it's shaped, it. it's shaped me. It's molded me. It's created me. It's made me into this man that you see now. I finished the program by the grace of God, and I went into the school of evangelism, which means I'm going out and sharing with people my mess of a life, and now it's turned into a message of hope. Yeah. And I can actually say to people, they don't have to live that life, that there's someone that can heal you, that there's someone that can set you free, and that's yeah. Jesus Christ. Amen. I finished the school of ministry, and I went into staff, and I'm a staff member in Teen Challenge, and it's an utter privilege to have a life as, as I did, and share with people in an intimate way my problems, and how I can help them, and how I can be with them. And I just consider it a privilege. And, you know, I stand here today, not because of a program, but because Jesus came into my life and set me free. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Well, praise God. You know, you don't read that in the front pages of the paper. It's all bad news. I tell you, the newspaper should be standing at the back there with their cameras saying, there is a God. And he, and he does intervene in human beings' broken, battered lives. That there comes a time, and I thank God for, I thank God for the advancement in science in man and what man has done. I thank God they can transplant and keep people alive for another 10 years. But there gets to a point in life where there's... And scientists and people cannot touch which is broken. Because you were created by God and for God and only God can fix you. Ultimately, God's the only one that can sort your life out. That's why when you get a car, you don't take it to a baker. You take it to a mechanic. You can take it to a baker, but it won't last very long. You know, you need to take it to a mechanic. You know, we go everywhere else to get our life sorted out, but God, we go to a relationship. We think, well, if I just met somebody, I'd be all right. No, you won't. (laughs) No, you won't. If I just got married and get kids, everything would be great. No, it won't. If I just get that that promotion, then everything's going to be fine. No, it won't. Because a lot of people have had that in life. That's why you get rock stars and pop stars 10 million in the bank and they take overdoses because they don't know what life's about. Imagine having 10 million in the bank decided. You see, discouragement and depression can crawl into a mansion, into a guy's mega pool when it's all bubbling who's got 10 million in the bank and say to him, what is the point of life? 
You can, you, you can have a mansion, 13 bedrooms, and no have a night's sleep. You can have a fridge full of food and no have an appetite because of anxiety and fears and things in life. You know, the proverb says in the Bible, even in laughter, the heart is full of sorrow. In other words, I'm smiling on the outside, but on the inside, things are caving in. I just want to read you a scripture. I've got 10 minutes, so let's, I'll, I can preach for 10 minutes. That's no problem. It's found in Matthew chapter 12 in verses 9 to 14. <clears throat> and then I'm going to read out Matthew, something out of Matthew 8. But let me get, the first one is the one I'm going to preach to you for 10, 15 minutes. So, <clears throat> talking about Jesus, it said this, He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would not take hold of it and lift it out? <clears throat> oh, how much more value is a man than a sheep? So is it lawful <clears throat> to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Let me read um, that verse uh, again, verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand, and it was restored healthy like the other. Just one more passage of scripture. You don't need to turn there. But if you're taking notes of the tape, it's Matthew 8, 14 to 17. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. She rose and began to serve him. Now, here's a man with a withered hand. I don't know if you've ever seen a withered hand. Sometimes you can see it today in our society. Maybe somebody has a hand that's twisted or born in a certain shape where it's useless to them. It's there, but it doesn't function right. It's withered, it's withered up. Uh, and have you ever had one part of your life where life is really well and life is really good, and yet in the other part of your life, it's like all hell is getting let loose? So much of it is good. So much of it is brilliant. But on the other side, you think, man... There's so much of me that's all screwed up and washed up and mingled up. There's, there's bits that are brilliant. But do you know what I've discovered? When there's one bit of your life not right, it spills into every other area of that which is good. Yeah. Just one area. You think, man, this one thing is, is bringing me into a place of limitation. It's robbing me of my peace. It's robbing me of relationships. It's falling into my marriage. It's falling into my kids. It's spilling into my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about a withered hand. I'm talking about withered minds, withered emotions, things that are withered up, things, words that people spoke into your life and withered up your confidence, words that were spoken. I tell you, words have power. Words have power. There's people dead and buried, and their words are still affecting people's lives. They're dead 20 years, and their words are putting people in prison, living in fear, living in anxiety, living in trouble. And here's a man with a withered hand. And the Pharisees represent a group of people who, who should have been intimate with Jesus and walked with Jesus, but they've became religious. They've made their, their own laws. They're doing their own things. 
And they have a form of godliness. It looks very religious, but there's no power. I, I, I see that, that man with a withered hand could have been in that synagogue for 10 years and they never done anything about it. They had all the, all the pomp, all the hype, all the talk, all the chit-chat, all the reading of the word. They had everything, but they never had power to deliver what Jesus says he could do. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't care which weather dump your life. There's a God in heaven who loves you, who sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross and to redeem every fiber of your body, your soul, your mind, your intellect, your spirit. He can bring forgiveness, joy, and peace and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's good news. Praise his name. Hallelujah. His hands all withered up. One bit of his life's amazing. Other people keep telling me, God won't ask you to do, Jay, what you can't do. I don't believe that for one bit. God is constantly asking people to do what they can't do. Peter and John were walking by the gate, a beautiful, a man's been crippled for 38 years. Nobody said to him, pick up your bed and walk. I mean, 38 years he's crippled. You'd be looking up going, you're off your head. Are you off your head? You're telling me to do something I can't do. And know what I've discovered? When you live with something long enough, the abnormal becomes normal. And you start to think, this is just the way life is. God saved me. Some of you are in here tonight. God saved you. You're full with the Spirit. But there's errors in your life. And know what? The devil's got you to a place where you think, this abnormal thing, that's just the way life is. It's become so normal you've accepted it. I dare you to believe tonight that God, if you've got enough faith, that the Lord could look at you and say, that thing that's withered up, stretch it out in faith. Stretch it out. Start to move towards me. Start to get up. Start to run. Start to preach. Start to stand up with a testimony. Get your confidence back. Do something you can't do. If God says you can do it, you can do it. If he says you can get up, you can get up. Don't tell me that's a load of nonsense. God will only get you to do what you can do. If that was true, God wouldn't need us and we wouldn't need God. Who wants to live with something withered in their life when they know the name of Jesus? Who wants to live there? But so many Christians are living in a halfway house. This is enough, Lord. You've done enough. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. That's, there you go. That's, a bit, that's as good as it gets. Wow. No, it's not. I want to tell you there's more. There's much more. I mean, if you're going to, I mean, I'm just one of those guys, if I'm going to do something, I'm in, I'm just full feet, head on, diving in, come on. And, I, you know, it's like that with the Lord. This man is here, and Jesus said, you know what, listen, stretch out your heart, hand, and I'll tell you. And it, it goes on and on. I mean, in John 5, 8, there's a man crippled at a, at a pool, and he's waiting for people to get him in. And Jesus asked him a question, do you want to be made whole? Do you know what? Some people don't want to get made whole. Do you know why? Because people might not give you a lot of attention when you get made whole. 
You might need to stop living for yourself and start living for others. Some people love it. How are you today? Same. Horrible. Feet still sore. I'm not against talking to it. I'm not talk, talking about sympathy or that. But I'm talking, there must come a time. But if you're saying, God, mate, I prayed for a guy once. He came to the front and I said, I was praying for people. He came out for something else. And he said, I've got a sore back. I said, I'll pray for healing. He said, oh, don't do that. He said, if, if I get healed, I'm going to have to hand my benefit allowance in. That's what he said to me. I'm joking, that's what he actually said. So sometimes to get healed, it costs you something. Sometimes you lose something. But I'll tell you this, you'll gain everything. You'll lose something, but you'll gain everything. And some people are walking about like this on the inside. Can you see it? Don't even know it's there. Minds, anxiety, fears, all that stuff, all weathered up. And Jesus is standing tonight and he says, I dare you to stretch that out. And by faith, as you start to move it out, can you imagine as he started to move yes. it out, he was doing something for the first time he's never done. That's what, you see, that's what faith is. It's trusting in the word of God. So is there something in your life tonight? Well, you know, I've come into this meeting tonight, and I'm, an, I'm an alcoholic, I take drugs, I'm full of anger, I'm full of this... I can't live that Christian life. You've got one thing right. You're absolutely right. You can't. And neither can I. But the Bible says that with God, all things are possible. I mean, I couldn't do it. These guys couldn't do it. Do I, I don't know. Have you got, Matthew, put the picture up. Have you got the screens up? That's what I used to look like. Let me tell you something about that man there. Over 28 years ago, he was on drugs for 10 years. He was under psychiatric treatment. He tried to take his life. He was an absolute mess. God touched his life. I knew that man very well. He was full of anxiety. He was in full of fear. He had no confidence. He could hardly read or write. He could hardly do a thing. But one day he walked into the back of a church. I'd heard voices for years. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Get after drugs. I sat in front of a psychiatrist once. And he said, Mr. Farling, I don't know if they date now, but years ago when you used to try and take your life, they'd put you in front, wouldn't they release you until you saw one? He said, what's your future? And I looked at him and I, I said, I have no future. Friends, I was six and a half stone. It, it wasn't great. My mind was so fragmented. I didn't know where I was coming or going. You talk about a withered hand. Anxiety attacks. I would have anxiety attacks. I would have fear. I walked into the back of a church just like this. A man started preaching. Don't, people said for years, don't come after, don't smoke, don't drink, don't take drugs, don't swear, don't, 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 don't. But I'll tell you that morning I heard another voice. <laughs> Stretch out your hand. I'll tell you I heard a voice that said, I love you. And I believed but the guy was preaching about the love of God and preaching the gospel and I just said, man, I broke down. And I'll tell you this, he touched me. And that which was withered started to get restored very quickly. I ran out of the church. It looked like the sky had just been painted. The grass looked like it had just been laid. Somebody took a scrubbing brush and cleaned Jay Fallon. That guy there from the inside out. Do you know that guy couldn't say his nine times table or his six times table? I had an ambition in life to be able to spell the word because because I was dyslexic. 
when that was over 27 years ago. And I've never had a cigarette or a drink or a drug for the day I walked into Teen Challenge. He said, I'm going to call you to preach. I'll tell you, I'd, I'd go, you ask my wife and she knows me. I'd go into places and throw up before I'd be preaching. I'd have to fight through stuff. But one thing I was determined to do, I'm going to keep my hands stretched out. I am not shrinking it back. I am not going back to that place. I'm going to live in freedom. And I just started getting up. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what I was reading. It used to be big long. No, I used to do when it was long words. And the Lord said to, <coughs> I will heal you. I used to just cough. I used to just cough. I mean, you might have seen it when I was sh- I mean, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, I- I'd never done those guys any favor at all. I heard one guy saying it once, my shack, your shack, and the bungalow. I didn't know what I was doing, what I was preaching. I tell you, I really did. I just had a Bible, and I had the God, and I just started going for it. He started to restore me. Put confidence in my life. I want to tell you, that man has not changed much in the sense of this. All I've got is God. All I've done was stretched out my hand with that which was withered. And I'll tell you, given my life, that's a joke. I'll tell you what, I never had anything. I had a pair of, of derrams, a pair of baseball boots and a t-shirt when I walked into Teen Challenge. And they have a cupboard where people do not, donated clothes and that's what I used to wear. Never had a church, people weren't writing to me. But I'll tell you, I met him. I met him. This man never came to a church and met a religious person. Let me tell you who he met. He met Jesus. I'll tell you, Jesus is the most unreligious person you'll meet. He does things that you don't normally do. I mean, when's the last time you had a healing service and they said, okay, stand there and somebody go, you know, some sand in a bucket and spat in it. You'd be like, I'll tell you what, you go first. I don't feel led. <laughs> spat in the mud. He could have said, eyes be healed, but he spat in the ground and rubbed it into his eyes and people come up with all the theories. Oh, I know, he's the most unreligious person that you'll ever meet. And he can do what he says he can do. Now this man was in a place of limitation, but I'll tell you, when he walked out to church that day or that night, all of a sudden the part that was spilling into every other area of his life, the next day somebody said, you know, John's got a new job. What do you mean he's got a new job? He can't work, he can't work. Have you seen the condition of his hands? He's no like that now. Driving that tractor about that field like I don't know what, and he's singing songs, I don't know what he's up to. Who is that? What's he doing? He shouldn't be able to do that. No, what he says, people, I went to church and he touched me. Yeah. My life totally changed. Yeah. That's what was spilling into all the other bits of my life. Yeah. It's no spilling in anymore. I'm spilling into it. Yeah. Look what the Lord has done. Yeah. <laughs> and he's dancing and he's praising God. Yeah. And we're in a place of limitation sometimes, even as Christians. Oh, we pray in tongues, but we're full of fear. We pray in tongues, but you know, we know all the word, we know all this. But where's the power of it? And you're like, I mean, come on, we've got the Holy Ghost inside us. Yeah. If you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. And he gets up. I've not got time to go into it, but, you know, it says in the Ephesians, I'll finish with this, that it says in Ephesians that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And know what it says? It says, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says in Ephesians, you don't need to turn there, but it says in Ephesians 1.19, he raised Jesus it says this, with his incredible, mighty power. Well, I've always read that and said, why didn't you just say, Jesus, my son, get up? Why is it incredible, mighty, awesome power? I'll tell you why. Why I think it was. You may have some theologians, they'll correct you, they'll tell you on Sunday. But I think when he, he used his incredible, mighty power, because he wasn't just lifting up him. 
You've been raised with Christ. And when he was packing him up, he was packing up his church and me and you, and he needed his mighty power in 2014. There's people out there who God has chosen, who God wants for his kingdom. I want to tell you, before I was born, the Bible says Jesus knew me. Work that one out. You can't work that out, but I believe it. It says, before you were born, I knew you. Hallelujah. That'll get you up out of your bed in the morning. So if, if you've been chosen, let me tell you, it certainly wasn't because of your talent, because he chose you and he died for you before the foundation of the earth. Hallelujah. That means I don't need to perform. That means I don't need to do good things. That means I'm chosen before I was nothing. I'm still nothing. So who's going to stretch out something and go, I'm not living with this anymore? If he died to set me free, I want everything. Who's sitting here tonight and you say, you know what? I'm full of guilt and regret and pain and shame. I'm got, let's keep me in my seat. I dare you to stand up tonight and stretch out and let Jesus save your soul, touch your life. Some of us have been Christian for years. You need to shake off some stuff. I'm not living like that anymore. I'm shaking this off tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, I know I'm nuts. It's okay. I'm fine. Come on. You know why he wants you, everybody totally set free? You can't serve. You know, when Peter followed Jesus, he never said, I'll take the nets just in case this doesn't work out. You can't serve if you're hanging on to stuff. You can't serve. So who's going to stretch out their hand tonight and say, God, I'm going to do something I can't do tonight. I'm going to do something I can't do. I can never be a Christian. But if what that man's saying, right, if I've got faith, and what faith is saying, I, I'm going to trust God tonight. If you're telling me to stretch it out, God, I'm stretching it out. If you're telling me to put this down, I'm putting it down. If you're telling me to pick that up, I'm picking that up. I tell you, if God can use me, he can use anybody. You're looking at a complete idiot. The only, only, only thing is I got saved and fought with the Holy Ghost. I've got a bit of education now, but it's not that great. And I've traveled all around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I tell you this, if you're a Christian, in 20 years, until I joined Teen Challenge, I've never had a business card. I never had a web page. And not once have I ever, ever, ever phoned anybody up and said, they want me to come and preach. And I've been preaching for 20 years. Not once. Not once have I asked how much will I get. Not once have I took a job, me and my wife sat in it for interviews in ministry and said, how much are we getting? We've sat there, we've listened, we said, we don't even want to know. We've walked out, we said, there's God in this. Yes, that's all we need to know. That's all I've ever done. I can put my hand in my heart and tell you that. You'd be amazed what God would do if you just stretch it. You would be amazed. I dare you. Because that 28-year-old guy there is nearly 50. And God has been faithful. I said nearly 50. It's been some journey. Had its moments. I've been unfaithful in the sense of my, I could have always sometimes I think I should have went for more and done more, but he's remained faithful. He's got a plan for your life, but you're going to have to step up tonight. You're going to have to step out. I'd, no, the worst thing, keep you in your seat tonight, <coughs> pride. <coughs> what will people think? That's, that's something that's withered that needs sorted out. <laughs> what will people think? Never do anything for God if you wonder what people will think. 
be spinning plates all your life trying to please everybody. Anybody want to stretch a hand out tonight and say, God, I'm not living like this anymore. I'm getting rid of this tonight so I can do more for you. Can you say amen? Yeah. Stand with me for a moment, will you? I've went ten minutes over time. Sorry about that. I knew we were finishing at half seven. The kids are out there. You just give me a minute. You close your eyes. I want to ask you this question. If you're here tonight. Say, I, I, I would like to give my life to Jesus, but I just don't think I can be a Christian. I'd like to give my life to Jesus, but do you know what? I'll probably fail. I'd like to give my, my life. And all the excuses, but why don't you do the first and first and ask him into your life? It's not about what you can do. It's about what he's already done. He died for you. And he's, there's a power in him. And there'll be a power in you that will help you live this Christian life. And maybe you're here with a friend. And maybe you think, you know what? I've went through life and I've been looking for the answer. But tonight, if God can do it for those men, he can do it for me. I'd like to become a Christian tonight. I'd like to give my life to Jesus tonight. Why don't you lift your hand right now? Just lift it up high. God bless you. Is there anybody else? God bless you, that man there in the purple. Is there anybody else? God, God bless you over there. Is there anybody else? That young lady over there. Thank you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else right now who says, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ? Is there anybody else? You know your heart's pounding. You know there's things that are destroying your life. You know there's things that are withered. And you're saying tonight, I want to give my life. Is there, is there one more person? Lift your hand right now. God bless you, that young man there with a waist jacket on. Is it, put your hand down. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? I mean, that's four or five people lifted their hands. Glory to God. Praise God. Is there anybody else? See me. Okay, I'm going to ask you the next question. Is there anybody here and you say, you know what? There's, pulling, there's one thing pulling into my life. I'm not living like this anymore. I've let the abnormal become normal. I want to tell you, it's not normal for a Christian to live in the natural. You're meant to live a supernatural life. You're meant to live a supernatural life. You're meant to be people who walk in the Spirit. Amen. We're meant to be constantly filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, no, while I'm there, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you want filled with And speaking in tongues. I'm not ashamed of it. I can't explain it all to you, but I know if I lay my hands on you that, and you really want it, I know that God will turn up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's so complicated, isn't it? You know, 12 steps and we'll do a six-week course. I'll tell you what, just the one night for somebody laying hands on you, that'll be enough. Then you can do the course. I'm not going six weeks. Let me tell you, when people come into Teen Challenge, I'll tell you, if we don't get them soon, they've not got six weeks, they've not got the power, they've not got the strength. You need the Holy Ghost. So if you've got something withered in your life and you weren't ready tonight, lift your hand right now and say, that's withering me, that's falling into my life. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Yeah, there's hands up. Keep your hand up. Is there anybody else? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. It's swithering into your life. You keep your hand up right now. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm not going to bring you, but I'm going to pray because you need a touch of God. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman who has their hand up. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray you restore that which is withering, that which is bringing into limitation, that which is, I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I pray healing for your mind, for your body, for your soul, for the relationship, that thing. And by the way, that's even if it's bad company. Or you're going to places you shouldn't and it's withering. Let's pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray as they lift their hands that that thing will not have the power over their lives, but it will be broken tonight. They don't need the hands of a man, Lord. Let your word go forth and do what it says it can do. Let them stretch out, Lord, and let them be restored and healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Now keep your hand up. Lord, for those tonight who are seeking the Holy Spirit, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Fill them right now with your spirit. If you're not filled with the spirit, the Bible says, and they began to pray in tongues. In Jesus' name, be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. Oh, we give you praise. Come on, folks, lift your hands and start to praise them before I hand it back to the pastor.